And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything's potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year. Band of 12 plus 6 here. Carson was top rookie. I'm seeing it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum and Hay with a brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> Aziz. Hey, Jay, I, I see you, player. She. Welcome to Anything is Potable, the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I'm joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, everybody. And we are here on the eve of the season. Actual basketball is coming back. The Celtics are coming back. And that means uh, Jay and I are going to make a bunch of predictions uh, because that's what you do if you have a basketball podcast. So we're going to go through with our best Celtics predictions. Then we're going to predict the East in the potable six pack. Uh, But first, we have to start with some news or I guess uh, a latest update. Brad Stevens today saying in his Zoom press conference that Kemba is, what was the quote, Jay? Very far, not not even close to play. A long way away. A long way away. That is going to seriously factor into some of my predictions, but it is not good news uh, for the Celtics. It's not bad news either. That's expected. This is We knew at this point Kemba was going to be far away. He literally was not even doing on-court activities at the beginning of this month. So That's a fair point. It's just hearing more information about it doesn't make you feel good heading into the season. And I guess we just have no idea – um, when Kemba's going to return. And so, Jay, I'm just going to use that as segue right into predictions. What day do you think Kemba Walker's first game back is? February 12th. Do they have a game on that day? I think they do. Who are they playing? I have no idea. How many games? Like, that's a that's a solid chunk of the season. It, it might not be great uh, what their offense is going to be without Kemba. But, yeah, we, we know they're going to take things cautiously and – we're just going to keep hearing this like two weeks from now. We're going to be like, yeah, he's a long way away. And just going to be like, yep, it's going to be held out long. I don't know. Do you think it really hurts the Celtics this season? Have miss like having Kemba miss that significant amount of time? Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. And that's it's a bad question. question the question should have been how bad, like how much do you think it hurts? Like they're going to miss Kemba a lot last year. 
when they didn't have one guy, like Gordon Hayward was there to make more plays. They don't have that safety valve anymore. And and I think that's a big deal. The We've seen it. I mean, preseason is preseason, but I, I think things could be rocky early on. I think the offense, especially when Jason Tatum is out, could be touch and go, yeah. <laughs> to put it nicely. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're going to miss him a lot. This team isn't deep enough to get by with, like, a ton of guys out, I think. But I think there's just going to be a ton on Jason Tatum, a ton on Jalen Brown, and a lot on Marcus Smart while, for however long, Kemba's out. Because you look beyond those guys, and, like, Jeff Teague has a history of being a playmaker. But he had some rough stretches even last year. And and everybody else has just kind of not done anything offensively in the NBA ever. So there's – there's a lot to figure out offensively for this group. And it feels like right now the safest choice is to just give Tatum the ball more often. He's clearly the best player, um, and he is kind of taking on that more responsibility in the playoffs last year. For a piece you wrote about in The Athletic, of the top 10 stats that were going to uh, dictate what happens uh, in this Celtics season, your number one was Jason Tatum's usage rate. I guess my, my prediction is what do you think that usage rate will be in Kemba's absence, like are we talking, Tatum's never been over what I think like twenty eight percent in his uh, career for usage yeah, rate. Twenty eight point something last year was the highest of his career by far. Do you are we thinking this? I think it is, it's probably going to go above thirty. Are we thinking this goes to thirty five. Like how much of the offenses are they just going to give the to Jason Tatum? Last year, without Kemba Walker on the court, his usage rate was thirty two ish. This year. Gordon Hayward's out too, or gone too. So I think it's going to be closer to 35. At least while Kemba's out, it'll probably sink a little bit after Kemba comes back. But I think this offense is going to need to be very, very focused around Jason Tatum's strengths. And and I think he is going to have the ball all the freaking time. I think his playmaking strides, whatever those will be, will really matter for the Celtics because they are it, it can't be like it normally is I don't think in a Brad Stevens offense they can't just like play hot potato and go from one guy to the next they don't have enough options to do that and Jason Tatum is clearly their best option so I I think I don't think it's out of the question for him to average like 28, 29, 30 points per game. Whoa, that was going to be my next question is given the usage, where do you think his uh, points per game was going to be? I was going to ask you about like 27 being a thing, but you're you're well over that. What do you think is like well, a good here's the thing? 27 was like his average from January on last year. Like it, he, he averaged pretty close to that after January last season. And so I don't want to say that's a baseline because he could certainly average fewer than 27 points per game. But that's like if if he continues that pace, then he'll average 27 for the whole season. I, I don't think it's a stretch for him to average a little more than that. I, I do think the efficiency for him is going to be what's most important. And last year, when the Celtics were shorthanded, when he was playing with the bench, he typically increased his production without sacrificing much efficiency, which was huge for the Celtics and huge for those lineups and huge for – kind of succeeding when 
the Celtics were a bit more shorthanded. If he can continue that and and raise the usage even more and maybe draw some more free throws, boost the assists, like this team needs him to do that. I, I think if if you look at historically Brad Stevens' offenses, like he likes to spread the ball around. That's obviously his preferred style of play. But you look at the Isaiah Thomas year when Isaiah was just kind of the focus of everything and they had Al Horford, so it wasn't like he was alone or anything like that. But his usage rate was, I think, close to 35%. So I don't think that's like totally out of the question. What is We're like, kind of geeking out with, with some usage rate talk here. Oh, yeah. But it, it's good. It's fascinating because I'm wondering like how much the efficiency is going to be changed if he has that usage rate and how much are the, is like his free throw rate and basically free throw attempts going to go up. And it's like the shot profile of Jason Tatum have, like having – a higher usage rate is going to be interesting. The thing that makes Jason Tatum so great is that he shot 40% from three last year. Um, yeah, a lot of those are pull-ups or off the dribble, like just tough shots. He's a good tough shot maker. And and he translated that out to the three-point arc last year. He's especially a good tough three-point shot maker. And he could be having to do a lot of that because this – But can he, can he maintain at 40% though if his, his volume goes up because he, the ball is going to be in his hands? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a question. Like, you see with James Harden, once he started taking a ton of threes, and I'm not saying Tatum will start taking a James Harden amount of threes, but but it's tough to shoot a high percentage when you're shooting mostly off the dribble threes, and, and, and maybe Tatum won't, won't do, like, that high a percentage off the dribble. But I, I think – and then the other part of this is a lot of the Celtics supporting pieces – unless Peyton Pritchard or Aaron Neesmith can be sharpshooters right away, just won't space the floor. And so it's it's going to be tougher for their best players to sc- score and score efficiently than, than maybe it was last year when they had more options. And obviously they were hurt last year. Kemba missed some time. Hayward missed some time. But like this this stretch at the beginning of this season was pretty much – there's less talent than – there ever, ever really before. Was. Than, ever there, before. than there ever was at this at last season for a significant stretch of time. And they, they played a game here, a game there with with only three of their top five guys, but it was never like they had a sustained stretch like that. And so could get ugly. Could get ugly unless Tatum goes bonkers and he could go bonkers. Well, that's my next question is what's the best way to get him to go bonkers? You mentioned the Isaiah Thomas season like that, I in my brain, I just see a lot of Isaiah Thomas, Al Horford pick and roll with like Horford being able to pop. You know, like running spread pick and roll with Jason Tatum, it just doesn't. It's not necessarily his game. I don't even know who the bit like. I guess that Daniel Tice and Tristan Thompson are can be all right with it, but they're not like dynamic scores or, or threats. And so, curious, what do you think? Like the best way to get Jason Tatum going is because they just don't have the personnel. I mean, but they don't have the personnel that like really spread out like they like. He's well, gonna be- the starting lineup does. The starting lineup for the most part. I mean, Javante Green's not going to be a great shooter, um, and but Tice can shoot a little bit. And Marcus Smart, you can't leave him. Jalen Brown obviously has become a very good shooter. So, like, I think that's a little. With the starting group, it won't be that tough. And last year, Tatum with the bench was awesome. Like he he was great in those moments, and I think you can run pick and roll with him. You can have him work off ball. You can put him in the post. You can you can do all sorts of things with Jason Tatum, and 
it all works because he's become that good. Um, the thing is, like, how much of his efficiency will drop because there isn't as much talent around him, and because he'll probably have to do more. You and said- if it doesn't drop, if it doesn't drop, he's an MVP candidate. Oh like, yeah, like and and he shoots super high percentages or high percentages and averages close to thirty points a game and is a plus defender and boosts his assist to four or five per game, which I think is realistic based on what he did in the playoffs, then he's an MVP candidate or like he'll be on the ballot. So like there's, there's a very high upside for Jason Tatum this year, I think. And if, if he hits it, the Celtics will have a chance to be pretty good even when Kemba Walker is not on the court. But if he doesn't hit that and his efficiency is a little wobbly, then I think they're going to there will be times that they struggle early on in the season. I, I don't think it's going to be like a seamless seamless start to this year, especially cuz their schedule is tough. Well, you said that like Jason Tatum with the starters, he can definitely space the floor and it took me a second to recognize who that fifth starter was and it was Javante Green. Um another prediction, how many games do you think Javante Green starts for the Celtics this year? Ooh. <laughs> that's a good question. I'm going to go with you got to factor in it's 72 games, so it's got like a little bit less than a normal season. I'm going to go with eight. I don't think he'll start every game while Kemba's out, but I do think he'll start some of the time. Like that, It's pretty clear based on preseason that they're at least considering Javante as a regular starter while Kemba's out. And I think he, he makes some sense with that first group. Um, they'll be super athletic, which will be cool. And he needs to run. knock down threes. Like the spacing is pretty important there because he's a very good athletically and like can guard people on the wing on defense. And but if he can just as he did in the one preseason or one of two preseason games, just knock down a three, he's going to be that much more valuable. I'm going to think he's to start a little bit more of them. Uh, I'm going to go with 12 games started Ooh. by Javante Green. I just think, like, Brad's going to go to it. Dark, dark house candidate. Definite dark house candidate, uh, Javante Green. Now, if, if we pretty much determine that, like, the Celtics season is very much uh, based on how good Jason Tatum is going to be, but I think the kind of next most impactful guy is Jalen Brown. In your article, you mentioned the statistic for him was this number of assists. He's going to need to be a better playmaker. He's only averaged what two point one assists is his max. Like, what do you, what do you expect from Jalen Brown as a playmaker? Uh, and do you think he can do that? I just don't. His game doesn't seem like super conducive to that. But he just kind of added dribbling last year, and so maybe this is the year he adds playmaking. And I'm just underselling him. Yeah, I think like two and a half or three is probably realistic. I don't think he'll ever be a super high assist guy, but. If he can initiate more offense, that will be a big deal. And I think Marcus Smart will end up taking some of those responsibilities, more of those responsibilities while Kemba's out. I think Tatum will obviously – we've talked about how his usage rate, we expect that to go up. But if Jalen can do it, and especially if Jalen can do it with bench units, like when when Tatum's on the bench, I'm very interested to see how the Celtics play – like, do they always need to have or normally need to have both Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown with the bench when Tatum's out? Like, how do they configure that? Because those minutes could get tough, especially if Jalen's not ready to kind of handle more of the offense and, and run more of the offense. I think that's where they'll miss Gordon Hayward the most is like their their playmaking depth kind of runs up runs out pretty quickly. 
And Jeff Teague, I think, will be really important too. If if he's good for them, then that could help their kind of buoy their bench and give their bench uh, some more playmaking and and a little bit more chance to produce points while Tatum's not in there. Yeah, I like Jalen Brown needs to make an impact on these lineups as like not the primary ball handler. Like he needs to be able to play make, but not like start in his hands because he's just not a guy you're going to run a lot of pick and roll to. He's not. I mean, we. He's just added like dribbling and a lot of his moves in this last season. So I can't like imagine like you can run just pick and roll for Gordon Hayward. and He's going to make the right decision and has that little ability to pull up in the lane two point daddy. Jalen Brown is I like he's like Marcus Smart has mastered the art of like putting a guy on his back and making passes out of that. That's just not something I can like see Jalen Brown doing. But Jalen also doesn't need to do that because he's so athletic. Like he can just break you down and make passes easier for himself. And so it's not like the super complicated passes that he's going to have to have. It's like, can he hit the wide open guy on the wing after he collapses a defense? And that that will be, I think, what determines whether he's more successful as a playmaker this season versus in the past. And he, he did a better job of that last year. And he's plenty capable of it. We've seen like he is the like Kaizen king. And just in terms of incremental progress, he has added bits and pieces to his game pretty much every season he's been in Boston. I just really haven't seen him kind of do that level of passing. And one of the things that make Jalen great is when he kind of is in homicidal Jalen mode and is just looking to dunk on fools. And sometimes you need it. You can't be on like that sole focus on the rim and you need to be like more aware, but I think it's, it's possible. I don't think he, like two and a half, but two and a half assists a game is probably the, the max for him. He just needs to be able to score points, but any improvement in that regard, I think will be good. The other guy we're talking about is Marcus Smart, who, when he takes good shots, they're good. he's a good shooter. Uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious. He told us as much on a Zoom call recently, but he's focusing on shot selection, Jay. I'm trying to think about how do you predict if he's going to have good shot selection or not uh, going into this year. I think there will definitely be times when he takes shots that – aren't perfect this is marcus <laughs> smart we're talking about it's and it's it, it's how many not- threes per game do you think he's going to average because i'm looking at it right now for his basically entire career it was four and then last year jumped up to 6.6 threes per game how many threes per game do you think marcus is averaging on this team see i think that i mean some of the threes are not advisable but I, I think it's more like the twos, like, <laughs> like, like look at two years ago, 2018, 19, he shot 51.1% on twos that he only shot 2.8 of them per game last year. He added two more twos only shot 41%. And I got to the line more though. Yeah, he did. But, and, and part of it's just a function of, of the offense. They had, you know, Kyrie and Terry Rozier and Tatum to kind of handle more playmaking responsibilities that year. But I don't know. I I just, for me, it's like the threes are okay. If you can shoot 35% on high volume, which he's done the past couple of years, that's not a problem. Like that, that's, that's okay. It's, it's like he shot 30, what was it? 37.5% on field goals. I just think like like just cut out some of the bad twos, cut out of course some of the bad threes, um, but it's like he's a 
he's a decent three point shooter. He's not a bad three point shooter. And obviously he's a little streaky. He can go on hot streaks, <laughs> but but it's like every game it seems there are a number of heat checks from from Marcus Smart, and just some of those are twos, like some of those are threes. Just cut out some of the heat checks and just reel those in a little bit and the get get is- a little bit more patient because like he's he's really a fine shooter now. He's fine, but is he like third go to guy? Scorer. I mean, you're asking him, especially with Kemba out, to be contribute more scoring the offense. He only averaged 13 points last year or points a game, especially in the early part of the year. You're going to need someone other than Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to score points. The bench has proven in the past that they're not very good at scoring points. Like, is you're asking Marcus Smart to take better shots, but then also be more aggressive on offense and try to like get get more uh, scoring for the team. I don't know. I don't think that's a recipe for success. See, I don't think they're going to ask Smart to do that. Like, Marcus Smart can score. Marcus Smart is not a scorer. He's a very good pick-and-roll playmaker, though. He he can pick you apart with passing. He can he can run the show for you. And especially when he's taking the right shots, like, he's really good in that role. And so I think that's what the Celtics are going to ask him to do is to set set guys up and and run the offense and and – you kind of hear that when Brad Stevens is talking about what he, he wants from smart, especially while Kemba's out. And I, I think that's how it's going to be, especially, you know, he's, he's playing point guard and I'm sure Jason Tatum will handle some of the primary playmaking duties, but like he's starting at point guard and, and I think he, they just want him to kind of run the show and that, that like, that's cool. He can do all that stuff. Um, I from from listening to Brad speak, I almost hear he's feel like he's trying to like convince a, a lot of the players to steer more of the offense toward Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. He's talked a lot more about roles lately. Yeah, everyone needs to play to their role. Not everyone like not trying to do too much. Yeah, he's talked a lot about like it, like do do what you do best. Like more than usual, he's talking about roles, and I think part of that is like. These two guys are our scorers. They are going to score the ball for us. Everybody else kind of needs to look for them. And I think Smart is like in a tier where he's obviously going to score points. He's going to feel some pressure to need to score some points, though, because they're not going to have it every night. I'm just sensing Marcus Smart trying to impact winning. I don't know. Like It's funny that he says shot selection because I just don't think he's necessarily capable of uh, like he's just going to try and has tremendous confidence in himself and will take 11 threes in a quarter. Like, I don't know. He, he's much more of a guy who feels the game out than is like uh, trying to math the game out with shot selection. I just don't see it necessarily being that much improved. Maybe I, I'm, I, I don't, I want to believe in him. I love him and I trust him, but it's just, I also know him pretty well. Yeah. And, and there <laughs> will be times when, when that'll work out, you know, like, Think think of the the fourth quarter comeback against the Raptors when he hit like nineteen threes in a row. And Again, that's that was, the, that's the beauty the of them. That's and the beauty. So, but but you you would like to see like just a little bit more restraint sometimes. I don't I don't want to rein him in, but we'll move on to the next prediction. I think it comes down to the center position. Who do you think is going to get more playing time, Daniel Tice or Tristan Thompson, or who do you think is like the best? Who do you think is going to have a better lineup? The four guys, like we'll, we'll do in terms of net rating, the four guards or the four wing players with Daniel Tice or the four wing players with uh, Tristan Thompson? 
I think better net rating Daniel Tice just because he knows the offense, he knows the defense, he knows how to play with the players. I think when it comes to the playoffs, Thompson could be a better option. I'm not 100% convinced he will be. Tice had a really good year last year that a lot of people kind of didn't pick up on. Like Tice is good, pretty damn good center. Um, people I think, probably didn't. They probably undervalued him at their midseason grades if they didn't. People didn't pick up on how good Daniel Tice was. I would say it's probably B like plus an A minus year. A minus year for the Tice man, Danny Two Blocks. B plus is a good grade. Um, but I think the more important thing for the Celtics is just that ne- they now have two guys they can trust at center in the playoffs, and that like they didn't have that last year. They never did. Now Brad Stevens, he doesn't have to worry about. What's going to happen when Tice is sitting? He doesn't have to worry about guys being out of place, whatever. Like Tice and Tristan Thompson are two professional centers, and and that that's a that's a big deal for the Celtics. I, I think I think Thompson is going to end up being a really really good addition for this team. I agree with you about net rating. I just feel like Tice is going to be a little bit better offense, uh, but I agree that Thompson is very important and. Probably why the Celtics looked quite bad uh, in the preseason because Thompson did not play either of those two games. Thompson's basically like the, the sixth best player on the team now, fifth, depending like where you put him with Tice. But- yeah, I, I think they're, I mean, so it's Kemba, Tatum, Brown, Smart, and then the one of those two guys, guys right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and so not top like- six. Not having uh, Tyson Thompson in the first game definitely hurt their depth and like not having Thompson in the second game. He's their sixth best, best player. Like sixth man of the year is an award people uh, get. It's a very important position. Ooh, on are, are, are we are we starting to hype Tristan Thompson as possible sixth man of the year? I'm starting to connect the dots right now. Tristan Thompson might be like he is the sixth best player on the team. Are Daniel you ready Tice to say that's your prediction? Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going for it because I think he's very, very important to this team. And the Celtics are going to be good and better when he and Tice can play all those minutes. They've never, they didn't have like depth at this position last year. Um, but it's, it's like they have ability to play their best four players with two different options. I just think it's like a, something that the Celtics didn't really have. I think Tice ends up playing more, is a little bit better offensively. But Tristan Thompson, like you have someone there who's not Daniel Tice who can go up against Bam uh, and. I don't know, uh, players like that where you're just going to be strong defensively for pretty much any time your starters are on the court. And that's a good thing. I don't know what Tristan Thompson – like what does Tristan Thompson need to do to get sixth man of the year, a double-double, a knife off the bench? I mean, I don't think he'll do that. Even though he did average a double-double in Cleveland, I don't think the minutes will be there for him splitting time with Tyson. I do think Robert Williams will play some, although maybe not as much as he played last year. Um I, I just – I don't see a realistic path to him winning sixth man of the year because it's just always a bucket. The award just goes to a bucket getter. That's Best it. guy off the bench named Lou Williams. Yeah, Lou Williams or Montrez Harrell. Like, it's 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 never somebody who just kind of does th- a lot of things to help your team win. So, I, I, I don't see Thompson winning sixth man of the year, but I like your prediction. It's not as much of a prediction as like I'm starting the campaign now. It's up to Tristan to put up the double double uh, off the bench. But like if he does that with my voice behind him, I think we can propel him to six man of the year. Um, moving it's, it's on your shoulders now, 
Thompson. Me, me and Tristan, yeah. Uh, another prediction you had, or you mentioned a stat. You said minutes per game for um, Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Neesmith, and Romeo Langford. I think that's going to be fascinating how much those guys actually play. We have two games of preseason. Just like I have no idea how to really judge it. Peyton Pritchard had one decent performance and one not good performance. Neesmith looked like he can knock down shots. We haven't seen Romeo in a while, but he seems to be like when he returns someone who should be getting regular rotation minutes. What do you think? uh, Give me a ballpark for all three of these guys in terms of minutes per game. I think, I think Pritchard will play the most early because just based on where he was in the preseason rotation, that's, and we saw Two games. We didn't see much Peyton Pritchard. There's a very small sample size to go off of for us versus the coaching staff, which saw every practice and all that. Um, but I, I think my one of my predictions is that Aaron Neesmith will end up playing a regular role on this team. I, I trust that he'll make shots. And as you look at this Celtics team, they need somebody who can make shots. And I don't think he'll be like I think he'll piss off Brad Stevens sometimes because his defense won't be super great. I think like there's a lot of stuff he still has to work on. But if you're six foot six and you can shoot the basketball, this Celtics team right now needs somebody like you. And so I just think Neesmith will end up, and I don't know how long that's going to take for him to crack the rotation, but I foresee him becoming a factor playing time wise. And I think Romeo will play too. Um, they're just so thin on the wing. Like, just so thin on the wing. Does Neesmith have to carve out a role, I guess, like before Romeo comes back or do they just like, they think they have so many minutes to give backup wings that like both of them could get like 15 minutes a game when, when they're both healthy. Yeah, probably the latter. Like, they they could probably both play. I mean, Javante Green could be the opening night starter. Dark house candidate. And, and like, so there's it, – it's, it's Green Bean's job right now to just, to like, eat as many Javante minutes as possible because he is, pro, like, is just as athletic. I'm sure he's not as good defensively, but is so much more of a threat. He is not just as athletic as Javante. I mean – There is nobody just as athletic that's as That's fair, Javante. and it's uh, – I think – That was the most my outrageous movie. falsehood ever stated on this podcast. Hand up. You're right. It was just uh, me talking, trying to talk about Aaron Neesmith, but uh, are you biased at all just because you spent uh, a week talking to every single person who's – uh, had an impact on Aaron Neesmith's life and wrote a pro- uh, profile of him. Are you at all biased from uh, your reporting? No, although it it was interesting to find out like how competitive he is and how he's kind of like just this maniacal competitor because you look at him, you see the shooting and you see the skills and you don't necessarily think like, wow, that dude's kind of a zany competitor. But he he is. For, he absolutely for, is. For all accounts, he, he sounds like he's pretty nuts on game day. So... He'll fit right in with the Celtics. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. All right, Jay, do you have any bold predictions before we get to the potable six-pack where we pick the teams in the East? Anything Anything you just want to fire off at the hip at? Just awards for anyone. They could be league awards, awards for Celtics players, uh, dumb statistics, anything uh, before we get into the six-pack. Marcus Smart, Defensive Player of the Year. Woo! I don't think it's going to happen because no, they don't vote for not big guys, but do you think it's legitimately something that could happen? Yeah, why not? Marcus Smart has been first-team all-defense two years in a row. The Celtics, I think, will have a very good defense again. He would have to have an insane season. It would have to be... Really, really impressive, but he'll be a full-time starter for the first time in his life, and I think that matters to some of the voters. I don't think it's out of the question. It's definitely not out of the question. He definitely impacts winning. It's just it always goes to big guys. But Marcus Smart is a big guy. If it was to go to a guard, it would go to a guard who's also a big guy. It's just so hard to imagine it when like Giannis, AD, and Rudy Gobert all exist and all are very good defensive players, but. Maybe the Celtics are just a team that just grits by on defense. They have like the top defense in the league led by Marcus Smart. Uh, and that's what propels him forward. I think it's going to, it's going to be hard to give him a uh, defensive player of the year because I think Jason Tatum makes all defensive second team and all NBA second team. Ooh. Ooh. His defense is pretty slept on. It's not talked about when in talking about like the evolution of his game, but he is one of the best off-ball defenders in the league last year, one of the best like help defenders. He is 25 pounds heavier now and has grown three inches. Like He is long. He is athletic. He is a damn good defender, and I think he's only going to get better in that regard. And I think he makes it onto first-team all-defense because the Celtics are going to need to win by defense. I think he's going to be a major part of that. That is fair. I, I do think his defense was underrated last year. He, he was solid. He was dependable. He blocked shots. He got steals. He was a, regularly in the right spot. Tatum Tatum is definitely a top-tier defender. Not not everybody knows that. I do. I I clearly I clearly know that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into the pot. Why did you just start laughing there? Because it, it was I sh- awkward. Because I was awkward and should have just got right into the potable six pack instead of trying to like come with some more conversation piece. But now getting in right into the potable six pack, Jay, how do you want to do this? Do we want to pick the top? Uh, are we still doing a snake draft, or do you just want to have a conversation about who we think the top seeds in the East? I think snake draft still plays. I just don't know if you want first pick or not. Let's go snake draft. I'll go first pick. All right, tell me the number one seed in the East. Milwaukee, and I am totally bored by the Bucks. Yeah, not one thing they could do during this regular season that will get me to really. I mean, I'm going to pay attention to them. They have Giannis; they're awesome. 
they'll be fun to watch. They'll be fun to. Will they be? Are, were the Bucks fun to watch last year? Yeah, they were absolutely. Yeah. They were a machine yeah. during the regular season. So yeah, I mean they were fun. But but I nothing they can do will change my mind about them until the playoffs. They are. I am fully in. They need to prove it mode on the Bucks, and I think everybody is. I think everybody is in that that mode. Nothing Giannis Giannis could average thirty seven points, fifteen rebounds, and eight assists per game. And I'll be like, yeah, bro, but go, go <laughs> make the finals at least. And like they they have the best regular season team ever last year in terms of like the numbers. They're built to win in the regular season. It's pretty obvious, uh, absent injuries, that they're gonna get the one seed. Now I get the two or the three. And I didn't think about this at all until right now. So this is just flying by the seat of my pants. I think the Nets get the two seed. Kevin Durant, if he's healthy, is the best player in basketball. Perhaps like you put him there with like LeBron and Kawhi, but he is so goddamn good that I just, I forgot about it. I was thinking maybe he'll be slow, but he Kevin Durant looks damn good. And just with the amount of scoring on that team, them trying to prove it to the league because they haven't like been together in so long Durant like reminding everyone I'm damn good I could see the Nets uh winning many games this year yeah I I, I'm with you on the Nets I think the the two things that kind of stand out as potential problems are they don't have a ton of defenders like I think Kevin Durant is gonna have to be great defensively for that to to really work to the highest level and and that could be tough to depend on him to be that great when he's coming off a torn Achilles. And then two, um, I think that, that like they got, they've got a lot of guys. Um, I'm trying to think how to put this delicately kind of like could go either way as locker room. (laughs) And uh, so I'm interested to see what goes on when things do go wrong like is is Levert going to be happy to continue coming off the bench? Is Kyrie going to be happy when Kevin Durant's the one taking crunch time shots and possessions? Is but if they're winning, winning cures everything, and I think they're going to be able to sh- put up a lot of points uh, pretty easily and like be able to win, be in a lot of games. And I think being in a lot of games with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant on your team means you're probably going to win a lot of games because those guys are very good at scoring, especially in the clutch, like watching Kyrie, I like, I feel like there's been so much Kyrie drama that you just, at least I forgot how goddamn good he was, especially in his last year in Boston before the kind of the playoff meltdown, he was amazing. Like he was efficient and scored points and was a playmaker. He's just the, the combination of him and Durant. I never didn't really fully put it together until seeing them in action uh, the other week. Yeah, they got a chance to be really great. Third pick is yours. I'm going to go with this is a tough one. Um, I'm going to go with the Miami Heat. I think they're good. Heat culture going after it. Bam's going to get better. I think Duncan Robinson kind of like and Tyler Hero came on into their own in the playoffs last year. They're going to take a lot of that moving forward. Jimmy Butler's quite good. They're just a, a very solid team. I, uh, I think the Avery Bradley pickup is decent for them, but I do think they're going to miss Jay Crowder being able to be a guy at the four and just like be launch so many threes. And so 
Maybe there's an adjustment time. The Heat is like over the past couple of years have not been the best regular season team. That's the one thing that gives me pause. But I just feel like because they made it to the finals last year, in my brain, they have a better track record than uh, the Sixers. The Cel- And with the Celtics being so hurt this year, at least to start the year, I, I just think they're going to lose some games. And so the Heat just makes sense to me as the third pick. Yeah. I And I think – I think there are some things for them that could go wrong. Like Drag Dragic was so great for them, and I'm not sure he'll reach that level again. Yeah, and they had like a wild Kendrick Nunn first two months last year that got them some wins, but even so, they didn't like finish that well uh, in terms of their record. Yeah, I but I think Bam has another. St- like I think Bam could be absolutely fantastic. So Bam, Bam, I, I think. I think three is a fair place for them. I'm going four Celtics. Strong and agree. They're my next pick. I think the the top six teams on this list, even Milwaukee, because I think their bench is very different than it has been. And I I believe that Mike Budenholzer should try different defensive coverages that maybe make them worse in the regular season. Like I'm not a hundred percent sold they'll be the one seed, even though they've been an offensive or a regular season juggernaut the last couple of years. Um, the top six teams on the list are pretty close. I'm putting Celtics at four um, because I trust that Jason Tatum will be good enough to kind of carry them when they have rotation flaws and and some injuries early on. And then Brad Stevens, like his track record of having good teams – win a lot of games in the regular season is pretty impressive. He has been a top four seed every year since 2015, 16. Um, and I, I just, I, so it's, it's kind of a belief in Stevens and it's a belief in Tatum and Brown that it's even a, though, it's a belief in defense basically is like yeah, belief in Stevens. Brad Stevens is a very, like probably one of the best defensive coaches in the league and his team even before he had like talented players were scrappy defensive teams who snuck their way into the playoffs. He's always coached very strong defensive teams. He has a lot of talent on the defensive end. I think that alone puts the Celtics in the top four, just because you're right. He's just, when he's had talented players and is able to kind of coach them up on defense, the Celtics have been a elite defensive team. And like, that is why they win games. That's why they're in so many games. And so I, like even with Kemba being out, I still think they're going to be in a lot of games. I just don't know like how much of that's going to hurt their record, but I still think they're on that tier and on that same level as teams like the Heat and whatever your next pick was going to if be. If there's a downside, it's that they can't like really sustain any more injuries. Yeah. Like like if Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, or Marcus Smart go down, it's like, what the hell are they going to do? They'll be playing big minutes to guys who don't deserve them. So that's that's going to be it, it's going to be tougher to get through this regular season i think for boston than it was last year um it, it, my pick at 5 this is obvious to me who who was i mean toronto and philly are both close yeah i mean that so you have to pick between the two of them i'm going toronto regular season that is a dumb thing to say toronto is bad but go ahead I mean, Toronto was a two seed last year. Toronto, I think OG Ananobi will be better. Everyone I, is hyping up OG Ananobi is like it's going to be the biggest season ever. T- 
Timmy Bontemps was saying he was going to be sixth man of the year or said something crazy about most improved player. Well, OG Ananobi is a solid player, but he made one very important shot, and all of a sudden people love OG Ananobi. It's ridiculous. You're an OG hater. I am. So, like, absolutely. I'm underwhelmed. I mean, he's a solid player, but like he's not going to like all of a sudden put up numbers. What role is he going to be in a larger role this year because they lost their bigs? Like, I don't know. I just don't see like a lot of the guys in Toronto. They don't put up like the the greatest numbers. Pascal was pretty good last year, but Kyle Lowry like averages sixteen points a game. What is what does OG Ananobi do? He's going to average twenty he, points a game. No, but he's going to give great defense and he's going to shoot a high percentage. He's his true shooting percentage last year was like sixty percent. Um, so how I, many no, minutes did he play it, per game? He should be like the supreme scorer. No, but he he's very helpful already and i think he can get a little better at least um and i do think they'll miss the big guys a lot like that that's a that's a big blow but they have enough there and they have enough continuity with their perimeter guys that i see them winning a lot of games um more than the sixers though like i the more i think about it like nick nurse is going to coach that team up and they're going to know seventeen thousand different defensive coverages and that will probably serve them well in the regular season but do you think I just feel like the 76ers have more talent uh than the Toronto Raptors do at this point? I don't know. I just don't believe in Pascal Siaka. Maybe I'm just biased against the evil people from Raptors Twitter who are just obnoxious, but I just have more belief in the star power of the 76ers having a better fit this year um moving forward than Toronto. I just don't that's, know if they're that's fair. Like like I said, the most of the teams on this list if if they went finished anywhere from really f- second to sixth, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, like just not at all surprised. Like if the Raptors finished second in the regular season, would you be shocked? No, I I was about to take the Sixers with the third seed, uh, but I was just and so I I think it's pretty close. If the Celtics finish anywhere from second to sixth, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense, or at least some level of sense. Like it it wouldn't it wouldn't stun me. Because we have no idea what's going to happen. Because if injuries can change everything, some player might make like a giant it's like leap that we just never saw coming. And that's kind of the fun thing is that we can talk about it a, a bunch, but the games are actually going to happen and we're going to get to experience them. And then uh, who knows what happens next? That's why sports are fun. <laughs> and we'll be here to predict all of the insanity. Anyway, and we'll probably be wrong most of the time. Oh, we'll absolutely be wrong, but we'll, we'll be here to react to it uh, pretty much as it's going on. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Anything is Possible! As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.